Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sunday at 6. Uh, tonight, we'll be thinking about the question, what does the Bible say about drugs? And I guess that's quite a, a difficult topic to consider. I guess people have got lots of uh, strong opinions on, on the matter. Maybe some people would think, you know, what's all the fuss about? Uh, it never did me any harm, things like that. Other people might think that all drugs should be banned and, you know, people should be punished really severely, things like that, you know, both ends of the spectrum. It's also uh, an emotional subject, maybe, uh, especially if we have experienced firsthand, you know, some of the damage that uh, drugs can do to people, um, you know, Maybe ourselves have experienced that, or our friends or family have experienced that. So it can be a very, yeah, very difficult subject to tackle. But hopefully, you know, uh, this evening will be useful. We'll take a look at what the Bible says uh, about some of these things. Um, yes, let's move on. So this is what we'll do this evening. Here's the agenda for you. So first of all, we'll look at some statistics on drug use. Uh, we'll see, you know, just how widespread some of the problems are. Um, and just how serious some of the problems are. And then we'll look at what the Bible says on the subject, um, and then we'll finish with some concluding thoughts. Uh, this will be an interactive session, uh, which basically means I'm going to get uh, you guys to do all the work. Um, but don't worry, it's not going to be too hard, um, and if we don't know the answers, we'll just ask Sam or Bernard or, or Google for the answers. Very good. Okay, let's make a start. So it's useful then, as we start, to, to have some definitions, isn't it? Uh, yeah, what is a drug? So basically, a drug is a chemical substance introduced into the body that produces a physical or emotional or psychological change. So a chemical substance that you take into your body that produces some kind of change. Um, some drugs are helpful. Um, some drugs are harmful. Um, many are used as medicines, aren't they, um, to treat or prevent disease. I'm sure that everyone in this room has taken some kind of medicinal drugs in their life. I'm pretty sure that that's a, a, a safe thing to say. You know, there's loads and loads of helpful drugs out there, you know, things like antibiotics to treat bacterial infections, antivirals for viral infections, painkillers for when, you know, we're in pain, we've injured ourselves, antidepressants to help with our mood. Loads and loads of really, really helpful drugs um, to you know, help us to treat and prevent disease. And it's not those ones that we're talking about this evening. Um, I think yeah, it's fair to say that they are helpful and useful. What we are thinking about this evening, when we, when we, when we talk about drugs, we're thinking about the recreational use of drugs. So drugs used recreationally. Now, what does that mean? What is the recreational use of drugs? Now, this is a different use of drugs. It's using a drug to alter your mind or your body in order to make you feel good. Um, yeah, using a drug to make you feel good by altering the way your mind works or your body feels. Uh, they come in all sorts of different uh, sort of categories. Uh, th this is just four of them listed here. It's probably very complicated if you go into all the detail, but basically there are, I've got four categories here. Um, some, some drugs are depressants, so they help you to relax. Some are stimulants, so they sort of, um, uh, I guess they um, perk you up or excite you, um, increase your metabolism. Some are hallucinogens, so they mess with your mind, they change your perception. 
Um, some are narcotics. Um, so this, these are kind of things like painkillers, uh, and they can change your mood. So four broad categories. Um, uh, drugs used recreationally can be legal or illegal. Um, and they're often used in social gatherings as well. So, you know, when you get together with friends, um, you know, down the pub or in a nightclub or something like that, or in a festival or concert, you know, they're often used in social occasions like that. Um, but I think we all know that the use of recreational drugs can lead to problems. Um, it can lead to addiction. Um, it can lead to other problems, physical problems, psychological problems, financial Problems, problems with relationships, uh, problems, um, other social problems or problems in society, um, and we'll think about some of those later. So now, over to you. This is the uh, first thing that you get to do. You have on your tables uh, pens, and uh, should, you should have nine pieces of card. If you don't, give us a shout, and I'll, I'll fill in the gaps. Um, and what you need to do is see if you can name, like, nine recreational drugs uh, that are used in the UK. Okay. Uh, looks like most of the writing has stopped, so let's, uh, let's, move, let's move on. So hopefully you've got roughly nine. Um, may, you may or may not have the same ones as me. These are the ones that I came up with. Uh, there we go. They're in alphabetical order. Um, and it's an interesting list. Uh, some, are, some are legal, like alcohol is legal um, for over 18s, I guess, is it? Um, and tobacco as well. But most of them, I guess, are illegal. Um, many are naturally occurring in plants, and we extract them and purify them. Some of them are made synthetically in, in the lab. Um, many of them have the same, or, well, no, they have different names for the, a similar thing, so you often have, uh, you know, this, a similar active ingredient, but it's prepared in a slightly different way, hence lots of different names for a very similar thing. Um, so, yeah, it's not a comprehensive list, uh, but it's, they're the main ones, I think. Hopefully you've got something like that. Um, so, the next thing for you to do on your tables is, now you have those nine, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have all, of the, all, all nine, you can fill in the gaps from, from the list here. So, now, arrange them in the order of the number of users in the UK. So, the highest number of users down to the lowest. So, shuffle them around. First, make sure you have the full list, and then shuffle them around on your tables. So, I can see that most of the shuffling has stopped, so maybe, uh, maybe we can move on. So, arrange them in order of number of users in the UK. This is the order. This is the number of UK drug users in about 2014 and 2015. Alcohol is top by a mile, then tobacco, then cannabis, and then cocaine and then ecstasy and then all of the other ones are you know i guess relatively low level so just in case yeah there's the order so yeah very interesting so alcohol 38.8 million people in the uk 
uh, use alcohol, drink alcohol. Um, that's 62% of the population. Uh, I'm one of them. I have, a, I, I have a drink on special occasions. I like cider. I'm not too fussed about beer or wine. So yeah, I'm in that uh, bar there. Tobacco, nine, nine million-ish people. That's about 15% of the UK population. Cannabis is about 3% of the population. I guess those two are big because they are legal and they're, you know, they're widely available. So um, you know, they, it's easy for us to get hold of. Thankfully, tobacco use has um, come down massively over the last 50 years or so. In the 1950s, it used to be 50% of uh, people in the UK smoked. Now it's gone right down to about 15, and it's still going down. Um, so that's a, a really good news story, I think. So, oh, also, I guess alcohol use and, to a lesser extent, smoking is a little bit more socially acceptable than you know, some of these other things. Um, so maybe that's why they're, they're, they're more common. Okay, the next task for you to do. Arrange the drugs on your table in order of the number of deaths they cause per year in the UK. Okay, looks like again most of the shuffling has stopped. So, we can reveal the answer. Here we go. Here are the leading causes of preventable deaths in the UK. Smoking is the lead cause of preventable deaths in the UK with 120,000 deaths per year. The next drug on the list is alcohol with about 25,000 deaths per year. And then all of the other drugs fall into that bracket there, 5,000 deaths a year. So that kind of puts it into perspective a little bit. If we want to know the order of, of these drugs, um, we can look at some, more, some different data that sort of break it down into a little bit more. Heroin is, is the worst, cocaine second. There's lots of other drugs in the list that we're not considering today. Amphetamines there, 191. And finally, ecstasy and cannabis at the bottom. I couldn't even find LSD or magic mushrooms, so presumably they're off the bottom of the list. So there's the overall order. So, yeah, tobacco and alcohol have swapped on the top, haven't they? Even though more people use alcohol, more people die from um, the use of cigarettes. I guess uh, that's because it's just more dangerous. It's more harmful to you, perhaps. Um, it's more fatal. It causes, I guess, lung cancer, as we all know, doesn't it? Um, one thing to say about all of this is that the deaths are just the tip of the iceberg. Um, it's just the most extreme result of drug use, isn't it? It's, it uh, yeah, it's the worst outcome. Um, each number is a tragedy, um, and it causes tremendous grief, you know, to the, for family and friends of these people. But in addition to that, in addition to all of these deaths, there are many more people um, who are misusing drugs who haven't died, but still have had their lives ruined. Um, so, you know, these numbers are much, much bigger if we were to think of the overall harm, and that's what we'll consider next, um, is, the, is the amount of harm that drugs do. But before we do that, I just want to go back to this slide, and this number here, high BMI. So this is high body mass index, um, so this refers to our weight, um, and it refers to 
um, overweight, people who are overweight, people who are obese. And I am overweight. And I, I've been tracking my uh, weight for decades, well, not decades, about 15 years. And I've got a graph. Yeah, and, and in 2019, I even got up into the obese category, and that sort of, you know, was a bit of a, you know, motivator to try and do something about it. But I am in this category here, the overweight slash, well, not quite obese anymore, but the overweight category. So, you know, I, unless I do something about it, I'm heading for that, this, this, uh, this outcome. Um, and it made me think, you know, we're thinking about drug users, here they are here, who am I to sort of criticize them or judge them? You know, when I think about you know being overweight, when we think about harming the body, um, and you know, and uh, the way the way and self-control and the way we treat our bodies, it, it's it's actually quite um, uh, related. I thought you know this is a bit of a you know wake-up call to, for me to make more of an effort here. I think, and you know, not to judge people, maybe take the plank out of my own eye before judging others for the things that they do. So that, yeah. Just an aside. Sugars, uh, maybe not as a drug, but I would be happy to see them taxed. You know, just like some other drugs are taxed to dissuade people from using them. Like you know, does it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Some food makes you feel good, but sugar is, is maybe more nutritional. Perhaps sometimes it provides energy. Perhaps sugar rush, maybe, maybe, maybe. They, they've, they've, the carbohydrates, I think, is probably a bit more of a food stuff than a drug. Although, yeah, maybe the effects are the same, and maybe they also have addictive qualities. Um, so, the next job for you to do is to now to arrange the drugs in order of harm. Now, this, this is one, one user, how much harm does it do to them? How much harm does it do to the individual that takes it? You know, how much psychological harm? How much physical harm? You know, how addictive is it? And also, how much harm is done to other, other people, to their family, to their friends, to their society, etc.? So this is now not related to the numbers of people taking it. It's just the harm to the individual and society. Okay. Right then. So, ranking the drugs in order of harm. This is what we get. This was from a publication in The Lancet. It's a multi-criteria decision analysis, which sounds very posh. It's lots of experts who got together to sort of rank these things on all, you know, loads of different criteria, and this is what they got. Um, the blue boxes are how much harm the drugs do to the user. The, the red boxes are how much harm is done to society. The ranking is here, um, if, you're, if, if you can't read these things along the bottom. But the biggest harm to the users are heroin, cocaine, and amphetamines. Um, with alcohol, you know, very closely behind. The biggest harm to others um, is alcohol first, surprisingly. Heroin and cocaine, um, second and third. And overall, alcohol is top. Who would have thought? And tobacco is there. Again, you know, these, it's, it's really interesting to see how highly these two rank, even though they are legal. 
I wonder, you know, if they were discovered today as new drugs, you know, how, how would they be classified? They'd probably be, you know, class A or class B drugs if they were discovered today. But of course, because they've been around for millennia, they're not, um, which is very interesting. So they, going into these harms in a bit more detail, um, being a bit more specific, I'm not sure if you'll be able to read this, but I'll quickly whiz through all of the many tragic harms that drugs can do. Um, there are physical harms, to, this is to the user, so this is you know, the drug actually itself killing you um, through poisoning or overdose, um, killing you indirectly through um, road traffic accidents, like so drug, drug driving, drink driving, um, cancers, suicides, drugs damaging your tissues and organs, um, uh, other damage caused um, through sexually transmitted disease, diseases, um, other diseases transferred through needles, self-harm, unwanted pregnancies, things like that. Um, the dependence, uh, the addiction that it causes, the psychological addiction, alcoholism, heroin addiction, um, the mental impairment uh, that the, the drugs induce, the way they change your mood um, can lead to depression um, and mood disorders. The loss of income, so you know, loss of your finances, you, you lose your housing, um, you lose your job, um, you, you end up in jail. Um, and the, the, the damage it does to relationships, you know, ruins uh, family relationships, um, uh, it ruins friendships. Um, that's just the damage it does to users. The damage it does to society. So things like domestic violence, um, again, crashes, uh, harm to the unborn children, uh, transmission of diseases, again, to others. Crime, um, the, 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 the toxic waste from the dr drug production sites in other countries or discarded needles around uh, you know, the uh, neighborhood. Family breakdown, um, child neglect, you know, many, many children of alcoholic parents end up with a load of psychological trouble as a result, so you know, things like that. International damage, so deforestation, this is like the drug trade, you know, the, the, the cutting down forests to try to you know, set up these um, factories to grow drugs and things like that, you know. International crime. And the massive economic cost, it costs billions, uh, billions and billions uh, to the healthcare systems of, of various countries trying to you know, treat the consequences. Billions policing um, uh, uh, drug use, drug users, um, drug traffickers, um, the co cost to the prison system, um, costs to social services, um, loads and loads of different costs, um, and also you know, social cohesion breaks down as well. So, an absolutely massive list of harms there. Um, absolutely huge. There are many, many, many negative consequences of drug use. So I guess you kind of ask the question, you know, why does anyone bother? Why does anyone bother? So that's what we'll think about next. Why do you think people use drugs in the first place? So have a think about that on your tables, and uh, this time I'll get a little bit of feedback from you. Right then. Okay, so before I show you what I've got, why don't you uh, share some of the things, some of the reasons that you think uh, people use drugs? 
Anyone want to suggest them? Stress and anxiety, yes, to relieve, to relieve the symptoms of, yes, 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 very good. Peer pressure, Peer pressure yeah, yeah, to fit in, yeah, yeah. Yes, to feel good about themselves, self-esteem, to give them confidence, yes, to make them feel happy, yeah, yeah. Escapism, yes, that's a good one, to, to I guess, rem to take your mind off your current life, to... Yes, some people are addicted and they have to take it to satisfy the cravings, as it were. Yeah. Marketing. Yes, it's, uh, they are, um, I guess, sold it. Uh, maybe coerced, maybe. I don't know, yeah. Here is the list I had. I think we've covered a lot of them. Yes, we've got loads of these, haven't we? Loads of them. Uh, what haven't we had? To, to lose your in inhibitions, maybe? Uh, to help them to socialize, to help them to socialize, perhaps? To relieve pain, mental or physical? Yes, I think we've got most of those. That's very good. To give courage and confidence? Yes, no, that is good. That is a good one that came up, yeah. Yes, that is true. I was very interested to read that um, about ch children. I can't remember if it was alcohol or it was t uh, smoking. It's not the peer pressure from the children. It's what happens in their family that is going to have a bigger effect of, on them. Yeah. Very good. Nice one. So next, uh, I'll show you a video. Um, it's not too harrowing. It does have a happy ending. It's about uh, a grandmother and her grandson, and uh, the grandmother struggling with her um, addiction to alcohol. So watch that. It's only three minutes long. Uh, here we go. When my mum first started drinking, she wasn't that bad because she'd have like a couple on a night. Like, but when she started getting worse, it used to be like during the day. When I lost my father, I was drinking. To four bottles of whiskey a day. I knew my mum was drunk because she used to um, go like that all the time and sway. I was doing it because I thought it was helping me cope, but obviously it was making everything worse. I was under the influence that bad, I never realised how much drink I got me. Every thought was taxi cabs to fetch more. We did like a lot of taxi journeys to go to the um, news agents, drink shops basically and it would be like every day I'd just stand outside waiting. I could see that it was hurting him that I was actually fetching alcohol but because of being under the influence of alcohol I didn't really care unfortunately. Sometimes when I used to walk to school my mum would be sitting on the park bench drinking I'd look at her and I'd look away because Lord could die now because it used to embarrass me. Terrible, terrible for this. Because you can imagine yourself as a child and seeing your own mother or father do it how you'd feel. But when you're under the influence of alcohol, nothing else matters on the alcohol. The house was all, like, fell apart really. It was 
dirty, messy. My mum was on the sofa and there'd be cans all over the place. And that's basically where you'd see cans, clothes, bottles, that's it, all over the place. You don't care. You don't care about anything at all as long as you've got that drink. Kept it a big secret. I didn't tell my friends about what I was drinking because I felt I might like take the mick out of me and call me names and that. Nobody understood what it was like for me because they always used to, the teachers always used to tell me to sit down when I got angry and everything and they don't know what I was giving through. For me to sit here and realise it now, what that child of mine must have gone through. I wanted out with my family because like, I love my mum and that I wanted her to get back the way I was before and it was really making me angry and upset. It took my mum 28 days to um, stop drinking. The hospital helped my mum with drinking because she that gradually, gradually got better. Eventually she was just fit to come out. Luckily, I've been spared my life because I could have been dead. But luckily I'm alive and I'm going to make his life absolutely fantastic. Now mum's not drinking as more like happy and it does more things for me and I love her. And we did sit on the park bench where I used to sit consuming alcohol, but both of us sat there with pride. Yeah, I feel really relieved to have her back. Sorry, it was a mother, not a grandmother. Yeah, very interesting. So, yeah, it was the death of her father that... Um, you know, led to the alcohol addiction, um, you know, trying to cope with the grief, but then it became a problem in and of itself. You know, sometimes, I guess, we turn to drugs, um, it helps us to cope with various things, various problems in life, but it just ends up making things worse, usually. Now, what does the Bible say about drugs? So, the Bible doesn't have much to say on specific drugs, as uh, many of them you know, didn't exist in the time uh, in which, and in, in the culture in which the Bible was written. Um, but the Bible does have a lot to say about alcohol. Um, there are about 250 verses on, uh, about alcohol, about wine and beer and drunk, uh, drunkenness and things like that. Yeah, alcohol seems to have been most, one of the most misused drugs um, during uh, the time that the Bible was written. So yeah, it does have a lot to say on some, some topics like alcohol use, um, intoxication, uh, being self-controlled, um, harming the body um, and obeying the law. Um, and we can sort of extrapolate those verses and apply those verses about alcohol to drug, drug use in general. Um, and that's what we'll do now. Um, but before we start, I... I think it's probably fair to say that some verses in the Bible actually refer to alcohol in a positive light. Um, uh, so like in the Old Testament, wine was often a symbol of um, a sign of God's blessing. Um, and removal of wine was a sign of his displeasure. It was used as part of the sacrificial offerings, um, part of tithes, some of the first fruits of your uh, crops and things like that. And obviously, Jesus' first miracle, famously turning water into wine at a wedding celebration. So, yeah, there are some verses in the Bible that refer to alcohol in a positive light. But it is fair to say that they are in the minority. Most of the verses um, that talk about alcohol use in 
the Bible are, are, are negative. I guess it's fair to say. So what we'll do now is uh, we'll look at some verses from the Bible on different topics on your tables. So take a look. There should be a, a sheet on your table with a couple of Bible verses on. Take a look at them and see what advice or principles do they give that we can apply to drug use. We should be taking care of our bodies. Um, it's not ours. It's a gift from God. And he's bought us again, bought us back with the blood of Jesus as well. The assumption is in this verse here that we should be feeding and caring for our bodies, I guess. And that is assumed. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, not only are they a gift from God, they also, uh, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're sharing our bodies with the Holy Spirit. It's a bit like if Anne bought me a wonderful brand new Tesla Model 3 car, but I treated it, you know, terribly. I was, you know, I did donuts with it, um, never washed it, it's filthy, got dinked, scratched, um, filled it with uh, just mud, never cleaned it inside or out, filled with McDonald's wrappers and just junk. And she sat there next to me. She's, she's bought me this wonderful gift. I've, treat, I've treated it with, you know, contempt. And she sat there in, in this mess as well with me. It's a bit like, it's a bit like that, mistreating this, this wonderful gift that you're sharing with someone else, you know. Okay, so I think that's all of the verses. So to summarize then uh, what we've looked at in those five sort of topics and what we've looked at in the second half, um, yeah, what does the Bible say about drugs? Yes, yeah, so obviously it doesn't say much about modern drugs because they, they didn't exist back then mostly, but it does say things about alcohol that we can apply to those things. I think it pretty clearly teaches that uh, getting drunk or getting intoxicated is wrong because it can it leads to the loss of self-control and it leads to sinful behaviour. Um, and there's the principle that we should be looking after our bodies, um, which are a gift from God and you know the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should be self-controlled um, and sober. Um, self-control, that's another that's one for me to consider as I think about my weight. You know, not eating uh, without restraint. And we should be obeying the law as well. Um, the laws exist. Uh, they're instituted, well, the, the authorities are instituted by God. And if some things are illegal, then that's the way it is um, for us in this country. So, so a couple of concluding thoughts then to finish. Having said all of this, what would I advise my nephews, my young nephews, to do about um, drugs? What would I advise them to do? What would I tell them, having thought about all of this? I think I would tell them, probably, just, just don't bother with them. It's not worth it. Um, it's not worth the risk of harm to yourself or to the people that you love. It's much easier not to get into a habit in the first place than it is to break free from an addiction, a chemical addiction that has control of you. Much easier just not to get into a bad habit in the first place. Um, and, you, you know, you, our bodies are very finely balanced and finely tuned systems. You know, it's not worth messing it up with, with, uh, with, with drugs. You can do yourself some serious damage and really mess yourself up. And if you wanted to drink, if you wanted to drink alcohol, if you wanted to drink beer, I'd say, okay, fair enough. If you want to drink beer, I guess that's fine. But drink if you like, but don't get drunk. Um, don't let it control you, 
I think. You know, I think that's what I would advise my nephews, my young nephews who are, well, one of them is just turned 18, so it's very relevant to him. And finally, yes, is there any hope for those who are addicted? Yes, of course there is. Yes, God can do anything. Um, he can turn our lives around. He can change us. He has changed many of us, changed many of our behaviours over the years. He can change us. You know, it might not be easy. It probably would be very difficult, I think. Some people are lucky, um, and, you know, when they become Christians, they are sort of healed of this thing almost miraculously overnight. Um, many people are not. They have to do it the hard way, um, you know, through hard work. Um, so it's not easy. So maybe let's not do it alone if we have to face uh, problems like this, you know, try to defeat addictions and things. Let's get help from professional organizations um, who are equipped and trained to deal with things like this. Um, help from church, support, help from family, help from friends. Let's all sort of, you know, come together to help each other in things like this. And we should remember that, you know, God loves us. Um, he died us to set us free from you know, this, our slavery to sin. And he can free us from our slavery um, to these addictions as well. You know, he can give us the strength to change. Um, yeah, so yeah.